Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As Vicar stated at the start of the sermon, we are beginning a new sermon series that will take us for the next three weeks through a series we're entitling Christ and Calamity. We actually took some of these ideas from a little book by the name of Christ and Calamity. Surprise. But the author is a Lutheran pastor, Harold Sankbeil, who does a wonderful job of just focusing our attention in the middle of some difficult times that we, that we live through, focusing our attention on our Savior Jesus. And today, we'll talk about the fact that Christ is our comfort. All right, I'm going to need some participation from you today to tell me where you're at in these things. So you've had a bad day, maybe a bad week, maybe a bad month. What do you do to kind of help yourself, give yourself a little comfort, uh, try to find some peace in the middle of life? How many of you are exercise people? You go out and take a walk or maybe a jog or work out a little bit? Okay, quite a few of those. All right. Nap? Anybody just like to lay down on the couch and take a nap? Yep, me too. That's a good one. How about foodies, like ice cream, other favorite foods? Yeah, get a little comfort from that, of course. Book readers, movie watchers, entertainment? Okay, a lot of us in that too. In the same, in the vein that there's an app for just about everything, did you know about this Calm app? There's actually an app that you can get for your phone that either tells you a story in a, in a voice that's supposed to calm you down or, or plays music that is supposed to be really soothing. Yeah, you can get that on your phone, too. Here's the point. Don't we reach for those things? Aren't we constantly on the search for anything that can help us cope with whatever's going on in our lives in, these, in this world? And sometimes those things work. And sometimes they're great blessings. But I think we're also well aware that there are other things that people do to cope with the trials and troubles of life that aren't so productive. That's why these words of the Apostle Paul today are so meaningful to us. They're so meaningful to us because in these words, Paul reminds us that when everything else fails, there is one source of comfort. There's one source of peace that we have every single day, and that's in our Savior Jesus. On the basis of these opening words from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, let's focus on that truth today. Christ is our comfort. And listen as the Apostle Paul explains to us first that it's our suffering that connects us to Jesus. And then Jesus' suffering promises us life. Listen again to verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Maybe a few months after Paul wrote his first letter to the Corinthians, this letter, 2 Corinthians, was written. Paul had to address several topics in this letter that needed follow-up from the first letter and some new things that he addressed as well. He had to explain to the Corinthians why he changed his travel plans. And then he encouraged them to finish the offering that they had begun to take for the famine relief for Jerusalem. Finally, he addresses the idea that there are false teachers among the Corinthians and, and how it is that the Corinthians can protect themselves from those false teachers. All of these things that Paul had to say, and yet did you notice the very first word after the greeting and introduction in the letter, the very first word that the Apostle Paul spoke? Maybe you caught it as we were reading through it. Praise. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And why? Because he comforts us in trouble. I don't want you to look past the little word that is connected to that word trouble in the text. It's the word all. I think there are times that the shorter the word is, the more, easy, the more easily we can look past it. But this one is one to not look past. God comforts us in all our troubles. Not some, not most, but every single trouble that we go through, God is there to bring his comfort. Why? Why does he have to do that? Well, Paul demonstrates that we're going to have troubles in this life. That living the Christian life is not going to be easy. You don't have to experience much life, do you, to understand that crisis and calamity and troubles and trials are going to be a part of the life that we live here in this world. We have enemies. Enemies of our Christian faith. Sometimes called the unholy three. The devil, the world, and yes, even our own sinful nature. It's not fun to talk about the devil. It's not fun to talk about Satan. I just as soon have him sort of be forgotten and never affect my life ever again. But in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul reminds us that our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Satan wants to do anything that he can to pry you away from God. And so he will use your suffering to make you doubt God's love for him, to make you think that God doesn't know what he's doing, to put you on the defensive. And then there's the world. Jesus said this, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Those are pretty strong words, aren't they? Those who don't believe in Jesus, who live in the same world that we do, have no use for you and for me as God's followers. And yes, we can hope and pray that, that maybe there will be peace in our world and that, that we can all get along and that Christians will be accepted just like everyone else, but the Bible tells us a different message. Perhaps the most frustrating of all is the enemy that we have right inside of us. We're our own worst enemy. We carry with us a sinful nature that hates the idea of suffering, that thinks that God is doing something wrong every time we have a trial or trouble in this life. So why does the Bible talk so much about these enemies of our faith? Why does the Bible make it so clear that we will experience suffering in this life? You see what Paul and our Heavenly Father are trying to do? Direct our attention away from ourselves and back to Jesus. Jesus, the one who already suffered in our place, that's our comfort. We have a Savior who defeated sin, death, and the devil in our place. We have a Savior who left his tomb empty and promises us an eternal future with him. Paul explains a little further in verse 5. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Those are difficult words to hear at first, aren't they? That we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. Wouldn't we rather have had Paul write something to the effect of maybe we'll suffer a little bit or occasionally? But he uses the word abundantly. It fits, doesn't it, with exactly what Jesus said? That if anyone would come after him, he must deny himself, take up his cross, 
and follow Jesus? Those are not easy words to hear because we know what happened on Jesus' cross. We know the suffering that Jesus went through on that cross. And thinking about suffering in our own lives is not something that is pleasant. But did you notice how Paul connected our sufferings to Jesus' sufferings? That we share in Jesus' sufferings? The whole reason that you and I suffer demonstrates to us that we're on the right track. Because those enemies of our faith want to come after us because of that faith. That's our connection to Jesus and his suffering. That's what connects us to Christ, is the idea that through faith, we belong to him. And because we belong to him, the enemies want to do anything they can to separate us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you get a chance this week, I'd love for you to read Acts chapter 5. It's an amazing story about the apostles after Jesus' ascension into heaven and after Pentecost, the, the boldness with which they preached. After being told by the Jewish ruling council, the Sanhedrin, to never preach in Jesus' name again, do you know what they did? They went right back out into the temple area and began preaching in complete defiance of what the Sanhedrin said because, as they explained to the Sanhedrin, we must obey God rather than men. You might even remember that the Sanhedrin ultimately decided to let them go because they didn't want to cause more trouble. But before they left, they had them flogged, whipped. In Jewish tradition, that would have been 39 lashes, 40 minus 1. You know the attitude of the apostles when they left the Sanhedrin that day? They were overjoyed because they had been counted worthy of suffering for the name of Jesus. Isn't that an amazing attitude? But in case you missed it, Paul didn't only say that our sufferings would be abundant. He also mentioned that our comfort abounds because of Jesus. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about as well? What brings you and me comfort isn't that we can live a life in this world that's completely free of troubles and trials, but that we already have an answer for those trials. Our Savior Jesus, who promises us that whatever we go through in this life will be long forgotten when we get to heaven. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. And it's those sufferings that connect us to Jesus, who went all the way to the cross to win forgiveness for you and me and a place with him forever in heaven. You probably didn't come to church this morning thinking, I really hope pastor talks about suffering today. That'll be my favorite sermon ever. But this is important for us as Christians to grasp. It's important for us to understand this biblical truth because it's too easy for us to believe that if God really loved us, then he would keep all trouble away from us. If God was really the powerful God that he says he is, then nothing bad would ever happen to me in this life. And I think you're aware that there are people in Christian circles who preach that very message. Sometimes called the prosperity gospel, it's this idea that once you follow Jesus, nothing bad will ever happen to you in your life. I think you know that the Bible doesn't speak that way. In fact, the Bible speaks in the exact opposite way. The symbol of the Christian life is a cross, it's not a couch. It's not a lazy boy recliner. God nowhere in scripture promises us that this life 
Living in this sinful world is going to be full of roses and rainbows and unicorns and everything good that we've ever wanted. What God does is he points us away from the sufferings of this life to the cross of Jesus, which promises us the life that is to come. While our sufferings connect us with Jesus, it's Jesus' sufferings that provide life for us. Listen to Paul go on in verses 6 and 7. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. The Apostle Paul is describing his present reality, his situation, what was actually happening to him. If you would page forward in 2 Corinthians and go to chapter 11, you would see all of the things that Paul described that he went through for the sake of preaching the gospel. But that suffering of Paul was for the benefit of the Corinthians. How? Because he suffered to bring them the gospel. And as he brought them the gospel and passed along to them the good news of their salvation in Jesus, they were comforted. Paul says, if we are comforted, then we can pass that comfort along to you as well. But Paul wanted the Corinthians to stand on what he wants you and me to stand on, what God wants for you today, even as you hear about suffering in this life, is the foundation of a firm hope, the foundation of something that cannot be rattled, the foundation of Jesus on which we stand. See, Paul didn't comfort the Corinthians by telling them, tomorrow is another day, it'll all be better. He didn't say, all your troubles are going to go away. He didn't say anything that was a platitude or made them feel better. He simply pointed them to Jesus. Their comfort came from the fact that those enemies of our faith, the devil, the world, our own sinful nature, have already been defeated. When Jesus walked out of the tomb victorious, he guaranteed you and me that a place with him in heaven is secured forever. Those defeated enemies cannot stand in our way. Whatever roadblocks they try to put up to our faith, Jesus has already knocked them down. He's already taken them out as he leads us home to our heaven with him. It's amazing that in these five verses, verses 3 through 7 of that first chapter of 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul uses the same word, nine different times. Each time in the English, it was translated as the word comfort. In the original Greek, the word is parakaleo. It's a compound word. Kaleo means to call, and para means alongside. That word can be translated in different ways. It can mean to urge, or to encourage, or to comfort, or to advocate for someone. Here's kind of the amazing thing. Jesus used this very term to describe the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14 and 15. He called the Holy Spirit our advocate or our paraclete, the one who's called alongside of us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? As you and I suffer in this world, as we face the troubles and the calamities and the trials of this life, we're never alone. Because called right alongside of us to comfort us in that trouble is the Holy Spirit. Our Savior, our God, who leads us through this life to our home with him in heaven. I kind of glossed a little bit over the second half of verse 4 as we were reading through the text before, and I want to come back to it now because 
It's amazing what God says. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we, in turn, can comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort we've already received from God. That little circle that I put on the board, the idea that God comforts us so that we can bring comfort to others, is a beautiful picture. And I think it explains a lot of the why that we sometimes have. Why do we suffer? Why do bad things happen to us in this life? Well, at least one answer that Scripture gives is simply this. As God comforts you in your troubles, you can then turn around and comfort others. Have you ever considered that when God brings you through a trial yourself, that that gives you the ability to say to someone else, the Lord is with you. He's been called alongside of you to help you through your troubles too. Think of the beauty of this. Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows because he was here on this earth, living in our place. The writer to the Hebrews says it this way, In Jesus we have one who was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he was without sin. It's that sacrifice of Jesus, that comfort that Jesus brings us, that provides us eternal hope. Not just hope for a better tomorrow, but hope for a better forever with our Lord in heaven. Here's how David spoke of it in Psalm 103. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. God wants you to find your comfort in Christ. He wants you to find in the middle of trouble that he is right there by your side, leading you home. Some takeaways from our sermon today. Number one, we are prepared for the enemies of our faith bringing calamity into our lives. Jesus told us it would be so. In this world, you will have troubles, Jesus said. Number two, our sufferings connect us and direct us to Jesus who suffered for us. You know how John 16, goes on? After Jesus says, in this world, you'll have trouble, he says this, take heart, I have overcome the world. Finally, number three, Jesus encourages us with his promises of forgiveness and eternal life so that we can encourage others. God doesn't want the comfort that he brings you through his word, through his son, Jesus, your savior, to be a dead end. He wants it to fill you with comfort so that you, in turn, can comfort others. I know it's hard to carry crosses in this life. I know it isn't pleasant to talk about suffering and pain and sorrow. But we know God has a purpose even in the midst of our suffering. There's a story that circulates about the cross room. Maybe you've heard it before. Young man is kind of at the end of his rope. He, he feels like his cross is just much too heavy to bear. And so he pours out his soul in prayer to the Heavenly Father. I need you to take this cross from me. And God's answer is to take the young man to a room that's filled with crosses. And as he brings the young man into the room, he says, drop your cross and pick whichever other cross from this room that you would like to carry. And the young man walks through the room and he sees crosses so tall that he can't even see the top of them. He sees thick, heavy crosses in the room. And as he's searching, he can't really seem to find one that he wants until he glances back into the corner and sees a nice, small, little cross that he'd like to carry. And he asks the Lord, I'll take that one. To which the Lord answers, that's the one you came in with. See, the crosses that we have to bear in this life, God knows. He's there for you. He's strengthening you to carry those crosses 
And he has a place that's even better for you than anything this life can offer. It's all promised to you through Jesus. We know that, yes, our sufferings connect us to Christ, but even more, it's Jesus' cross. It's Jesus' suffering that wins for us a life with him forever in the perfect joy of heaven. And so when calamity comes, we can say with certainty, with the Apostle Paul and with our Lord's assurance, Christ is our comfort. Amen. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.